Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Hello and happy Easter to you. Easter is the highest holiday in the life of the believer, and this is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and remember that we have a new covenant with God through Him. Join us today as we explore the meaning of Easter and the power of the new covenant. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Amen. Jesus cannot be who you want him to be. Jesus has to be who the Bible says he is. Amen. Sometimes we get mixed up. Sometimes we get mixed up because we have sometimes been told who Jesus is or shown who Jesus is without actually seeing from the Bible who does the Bible say that Jesus is. The celebration of Easter is our opportunity to reconcile once and for all who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and what does it mean? Because Easter is not enough to just say it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's the day to say that Jesus did something for me. For me, who I am. How does the cross, how does the resurrection, how does it impact me? What does it mean to my life? But to understand what it means, you got to know who he is. Because if somebody came and knocked at your door, and you opened the door, and they said, sir, I have, a, I have something great for you. And the thing that I have great for you is found in this envelope I'm gonna, I have here. Your first thing is, not what's in the envelope. My first question is, who are you? I don't know you. I'm not, I don't want to see what's in the envelope. I'm trying to figure out who you are. I can't receive what's in the envelope till I'm, I'm, I'm confirmed that you're somebody legitimate that I should actually receive something from. Because we're suspicious of people who just come to us. People that we don't know that just come to us. We're suspicious of who they are. We're suspicious of why they're here. What is your game? What is up? I know what's in that envelope. You're going to try to sell me a magazine. You're going to try to talk to me about some, some organization that I can't find, that there's no address to, that's not around here. We don't trust things just because they're brought to us. We trust things when we get to know things. And so most of us are getting to know Jesus, and so our understanding of who Jesus is and what Easter's all about is varied because we're at different stages of coming to know who Jesus is. But until we know who Jesus is, there's things that he has we don't receive yet because we don't know him. To know somebody is different in different cases. I know Pam to one level. I know Tara to a level. I know Mary to a level. I know Jonathan to a level. I know Derry to a level. But I know Derry better than everybody else I said their names because I lived with Derry. Because Derry's lived with me, I know Derry more than I know people else I name. I know Tammy. I know Tammy because I lived with Tammy. Tammy and I have been married for 30 years. I know her differently than I know other people. All of us know people in different ways. And I benefit from Tammy more than anybody else in this room. Because I'm closest to Tammy. Because I'm closer my benefit is greater. So if Tammy comes to my door, 
Derry, I have something for you. I never question who she is. Amen? When somebody I don't know comes to the door, I question their identity. So we are at Easter celebrating someone we know. And the question is, how well do we know him? The question is, how well do we trust him? How well can we receive what he's got in the package for us? Amen? Come on, tell your neighbor, say, I know him well. And I can receive what he has in the package for me. All right, come on, come on. You receive to the extent that you know him. That's why when the lepers were healed, they went away. They cried out to him from a distance. But only one came close back. Because everybody doesn't hold to the heart how they know him. Amen? We know Jesus We're Christians. We come to church. We're here on Sunday. Why? Because we believe. We know him. And because we know him, we're willing to come and learn of him and worship him and read his word and learn to pray and learn to operate in the things of God. Why? Because we know him and we want to draw near to him. So I want you to know something about Jesus. Luke chapter 23, verse 44. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. I want you to say this, Father... Into your hands, I commend my spirits. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus' last words before he dies. Our Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. See, Jesus and the Father had a relationship. They had this deep relationship. They had this relationship that was so deep that the disciples often asked Jesus, show us how to pray, how to talk to God like you talk to God. Jesus, tell us about the kingdom. Help us understand. They were always trying to understand Jesus' relationship with the Father. They were always trying to figure it out because they could see something about his relationship. They could see something about Jesus that he was able to talk to God when other people weren't able to talk to God. He could see, they could see the difference between the Pharisees who talked about religion and Jesus who talked to God. It's two different things. It's two different things to talk about our religion and another thing to talk about and to our Savior, to our God. Easter's the day that Jesus comes and opens the door so that when the veil is ripped, in other words, the thing between us and God, when that thing is ripped out of the way that we're able to come boldly before the throne of grace and talk to God face to face in your time of crisis, in your time of need, without any sense that God's not hearing you. Without any sense that God is not hearing what you're saying. Turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. When Jesus died, he died on a cross. 
The cross's significance is that the cross is a torturous way of dying. It's one thing for someone to die. It's another word thing for somebody to suffer. And the reason that the government would crucify people is because they want others to watch and to see an example of if you don't do right by us, this is what happens to you. And so on a hillside with other people, Jesus is on a cross, hanging there, being crucified for what? For saying he knew God. Jesus was being crucified for saying he had a relationship with God as a father. And so as that, the Jews said, this man needs to be crucified. They went to the Romans and said, he needs to die for saying he actually knows God. (laughs) You want to know Jesus is being killed for? That's it. He's a threat to the government if he says he knows God more than religion knows God. He's a threat to the government if he says he knows God and he can talk to God. He says God is his father. (laughs) Jesus is on the cross being made an example of because he says he knows God. He knows he's there because he's there for the sins of the world. They think they're crucifying because of his relationship with God. As he's hanging there, the normal amount of time it would take for people to die on a cross was three days. It would take people three days in agony to hang on the cross and die. We just read in the book of Luke, it says at the ninth hour is when he died. It should be 36 hours before he dies, but at the ninth hour, he hangs his head and he dies. And there's an earthquake that happens and there's a shaking and there's a veil in the temple that gets torn in the ninth hour as opposed to the 36th hour. So Jesus didn't die because it was time to die. Jesus died because he said it was time to die. Jesus died on our behalf because he made a decision to give up his spirit. To give up his spirit. Not to have it taken, but to give it up. So much so that when he Slumped over. They said he's dead already. They said he can't be dead. And one of the soldiers said, I'll make sure he's dead. And they stabbed him in his side. The suffering of Jesus accelerated because Jesus didn't need to die a human death. He needed to die a sacrificial death. He needed to die a sacrificial death because his sacrifice is what opens the door for us to have a covenant with God. The shedding of Jesus' blood is what gives us a covenant and relationship with God the Father. Now, what does that look like? Ephesians, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, what does this mean? This means that there's a relationship with God that we can grow into through the knowledge of his word that is going past the foundation, going past the milk of the word. 
When a new baby's born, we don't feed them cereal. They can't digest it yet. We feed them milk, and then they graduate to cereal. And then they start getting a little table food. And then they start getting a little this, and they start getting a little that. They start picking up things until all of a sudden they start asking for a steak. There's a certain point of growth and maturity where people start asking for more. But there's a certain season where it's just milk that I can handle. It's just just this. So there's a certain point in the knowledge of who Christ is. All I want to know is that he died for me. That's all I need to know right now. And guess what? That's good because that's a stage of maturity. There's going to come a day when you continue to put yourself under that relationship where you're not satisfied with just knowing that he is. Now you want to know what has he done for you? And then getting into knowing what he's done for you, you start saying, okay, well, good. Praise the Lord. Now, God, what can I do for you? And so you continue to grow in your maturity and get to a different point. And there's no condemnation any long way along the any way along the road. But it's always about how do we continue to grow in the knowledge of that person who's brought us something to the door? See, all the suffering on the cross was not just for Jesus to die. The suffering on the cross was to actually empower humanity. And it wasn't to empower us to do church, it was to empower us to live. See, church sometimes gets mixed up. It gets mixed up in the sense that we start to believe that coming to church is church. Coming to church is not church. Church is you. You are the church. See, what happened is when Jesus dies on the cross, he's not dying to make an organism, making an organization. He could have created a fraternity with the brothers that was there. They could have been J5J. He didn't come to make a fraternity. He didn't come to make for, but we all come together. We're all brothers. That's not what he came for. The book of John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In other words, Jesus didn't come to make a church organism. He came to empower people to live. He empowered us to live, to be strong. What is Easter? Easter is my celebration that not only did God come to make me come to church, God came to make me a man who can operate and live this life. Live this life to the full. Live this life all the way. Live this life blessed in every area. Blessed in my spiritual life that I know God. I'm able to know him and love him. Blessed in my relationships that I can have great relationships. That I can be married 30 years. Blessed so I can use my gifts and talents. So that I can rise in any organization I go into. Because I'm going to not use my gifts for people. I'm going to use my gift as unto the Lord. And I use my gift as unto the Lord and God will give me new information, new understanding and give me understandings past my peers. That there's an anointing that God gave to Daniel and that God gave to Joseph that is a power to get things done, get things complete. And in that anointing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He anointed that me, I can have a well body. I can be healthy until it's time for me to leave this planet. came to give me resources so that everything that comes in my hand, he shows me how to make it prosper. Every five, every the five areas of my spiritual growth, they're all there because it's Jesus. 
The celebration of Easter is a celebration of victory because I'm the church. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm the church. Come on, come on. I'm the church. Come on, you're anointed. You got power on your life because you are the church. When Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He wasn't talking about this church. He was talking about this church and that church and this church. He's talking about you. The gates of hell will not prevail against you because you're the church. Who do men say that I am? Oh, you're just another good prophet. Oh, no, 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 no. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the one who's going to die for me. You're the one who's going to resurrect for me. You're blessed if you understand that. Because flesh and blood can't explain it to you. You got to get that from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's got to explain it to you. And when you get it from the Holy Spirit, then you start operating different. (laughs) I hope somebody's with me up in here today. Come on, come on, let's go back. I'm I'm trying to navigate. I'm trying to see where y'all at. Amen. (laughs) Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 and 12. I came that you may have life. I came to make you the church. Jesus came to make you the church. Do you know something? Do you know that I have never been bored? I have never been bored. How many of y'all, how many, how many y'all agree with me? You've never been bored. How many of y'all? I've never been bored. Bored. Like, oh, I'm bored. <laughs> I have never been bored in my, not one day in my whole life. I have never been bored. You know why? Because I entertain myself. (laughs) I may have been boring places, but I've never been bored. Because I entertain myself. Because somewhere along the line, it it became evident to me that I am the funniest person I know. Somewhere in my life, I just like the stuff I think about is funny to me. So I've never been bored. So guess what? When you're sufficient in yourself, your external situation doesn't change you. And there's certain things about you that you know about yourself that you know that you're sufficient from external circumstances. What Jesus came to do is make you the church so that you are always independent of circumstances around you. (laughs) Come on. You are so blessed that you are totally independent of things surrounding you. That's what Easter is. (laughs) This is what Easter is. Easter is our celebration that I'm sufficient in Christ. In him I have all things. In him I live, I move, I have my being. In him. (laughs) I'm sufficient in him. I am prosperous in him. I'm blessed in him. And so are you. If you come to know him, if you come to know him in a deeper way, because some of us may still be at the point where he knocks on the door 
and we don't trust the envelope yet. Some of us are still there. And guess what? That's okay because you're going to get further. But some of us are still at that place. When Jesus knocks on the door to give us things, we're still not sure about what's in the envelope. We're still not sure whether he can deliver on the promise. We're still not sure about that. I got sick one time and I had to go to the hospital. I'm laying in the hospital and I'm thinking, oh my God. First, it was like a fear. Because the nurse said, you should be in a coma right now. Well, you're talking to me. I'm not in a coma. <laughs> Check one. At least I'm okay. At least I'm that far. But then the fear. She told me what was wrong with me. I said, oh my, what? One of my levels is 13 times what it's supposed to be. Not, tw- not twice, 13 times past where it's supposed to be. What am I doing here? <laughs> Do I need to call? Do I need to call Jesus? But then the peace of God came on me. Why? Because I know Jesus. And so in my crisis, the peace came on me. Why did it come on me? Because I knew him before I got sick. <laughs> before, I, before I got ill, the enemy uh, didn't have a stronghold because God had already talked to me before I got ill. Why? When you get to know people in the time of peace, then you're ready in the time of war. You don't wait to know God in the crisis. You get to know God when it's all good. Then when the crisis comes, you're able because that's what milk does, meat does. Listen now. Chapter 2, verse 12. That at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There's a time when we didn't know God and you're on your own. And you know, when we're, when we're young and we're on our own, we, we feel self-sufficient because we got that invincible feeling to us, you know? You know, I can do anything. I'm, 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 good. I'm good. I can handle it. I can handle it. And then something hits you in your face and you say, man, I need a little help here somewhere. Who can I call? I'm looking, I'm trying to call somebody. I'm trying to link up with somebody to help me get through this because now I found out I don't have it all. I'm not sufficient. And this is what this passage says. Is, he's telling the church at Ephesus, when you guys were out before you knew God, that's who you were. You are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise. In other words, there are covenants of promise that God has for his church that are not available to those who are not in the church because they don't know the promise keeper. Amen? (laughs) Having no hope without God in the world. There are people in the world who are without hope because they don't know God. There are people in the world who are without hope because they refuse to receive God. I listened to this, uh, I, 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 this one artist I used to listen to all the time. And then I saw, you know, she always, she always had real, some, some kind of sad song on every album. Some real sad, you know. And you get to know some from a tragedy or something happens in life. And then, then one, one album came out and the first song was tragic. It was like, oh, the first song is sad. Oh, man, I can't, I can't, I can't even listen to the whole album, man. I, I listened to the first couple of songs. I was like, oh, man, no, I can't. Oh, man, this is taking me down. I can't handle this. She's expressing what's in her heart. But when her heart is, what's in the heart is the sadness. 
And, and, and why do we write out of sadness? Because that's what's prevailing. When we write gospel, gospel says victory. Why? Because that's who we know God to be. God is our victory. So what? So when I'm inspired, if I write a song, it means God's giving me victory. It may tell the tale of me going through it, but ultimately it says I'm coming out of it. Not just I'm sad and that's just the way it is. Why? Because Easter. It's the celebration of victory. It's the celebration of being able to say, God is for me. Who can be against me? God is with me. Who can stand against me? God is able. What can overcome me? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, um, I'm not sure about y'all today. (laughs) Man, go to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 7, Hebrews 7, verse 22. Listen, I'm going to cut to the chase for y'all. Here's what it is. Jesus, in his dying, has given us a covenant. He's given us a covenant. That covenant promises certain things. Passage we just read in Ephesians says there's these precious promises. There's these promises that God has made. We were, well, before we knew God, we weren't, hadn't have access to promises. But now we have these promises. And now the promises are doing certain things in our lives. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22 begins with this. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. What's a better covenant? It means there was a covenant before this, that there's a something better coming. The better covenant that he's talking about is what we've received in Christ as opposed to the law. The covenant of the law of Moses. The covenant of the Ten Commandments. The covenant that says you must do these things in order to be grafted into this special people. What the new covenant says is that no matter where you come from, if you believe on Jesus, you are grafted into and made a special person. In our country, we have fights over race. We have people who want one race to be superior to another race. And we have other races watching two races fight saying, they both crazy, we superior to both of them. You got all this fighting and all this kind of foolishness going on. Why? Because everybody's trying to be special or better than someone else. (laughs) Everybody's trying to prove that somebody else is lesser than them. But the kingdom is based on all men coming to the same God who has no color. People abuse each other. People do stupid stuff to each other. People do all kinds of things in order to be over people or in charge of people or, or have people do stuff for them. That's what people do. But the kingdom is this. Jesus said, guess what? The rulers of the world, that's what they do. They want to lord over you. But that's not how it is in the kingdom. In the kingdom, I will wash your feet while you call me teacher. In the kingdom, I will take care of you while you're calling me Master. In the kingdom, I tell you exactly what I'm doing. I have no secrets from you. That's kingdom life. That's king. That's what Jesus is about. Jesus is about not the way the world works, but the new creation life, the new covenant life. The new covenant life that says, guess what? All of you can be blessed. 
The new covenant left said life that says, you know what? God wants to bless everybody in this room, not a special one or two. The new covenant life who says, guess what? I believe I'm gifted, but I believe you're just as gifted as me. Come on, come on. We're talking about a new creation life. We're talking about the gospel that you have. What is the gospel that you have? The gospel is that anybody who received God through Christ can be changed, transformed, and blessed. Anybody. Anybody. We were at this Good Friday night service the other night. Lady got up, started with, started with her testimony. This woman got a master's degree from the Baptist Theological Union, at, uh, the, the Graduate Theological Union, the American Baptist Seminary, the West. She's getting up and she's going up to preach. And then she talked about how she was in prison. Told a story about how she was in prison. Another man got up, got up to preach. He got up to talk about how he was in this life and, and had been shot multiple times. And guess what? But now he's preaching the gospel. Why? God's no respecter of persons. This is the gospel that we have. This is what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating the day that everybody in this room can rise to the highest heights. If we walk with God. We're celebrating the fact that there's no special people in the room except everybody in the room. We're celebrating the fact that all men can come before this same Christ. No regard, without regard to your background or where you came from. None of that. None of that makes a difference. It doesn't make a difference that people think you're smart or people think that you're an idiot. It does not make any difference to God. Only thing that makes difference to God is can you receive the milk of the word? Can you just receive the milk of the word? And can you grow deeper into that milk? And can you grow deeper into that milk? And can you grow deeper into that milk until you eat a spiritual carnivore? You just eat meat wherever you go. Can you get to that level? Not because you're higher than others, but because you're consistent with receiving and walking in the gospel of the kingdom. Can you operate in the simple gospel? Can you receive the covenant? So much more. Jesus has become our surety, our assurance of a better covenant. Surety is what something is loaned to someone else. And surety is the guarantee between two parties that what's loaned can be backed up. So when I went to buy a house, the mortgage company wants surety. What's the surety? The house. (laughs) If you don't pay for the house, the bank says, I have the right to take it back. The house is the surety. So by much more, Jesus has become the surety of a better covenant. What does that mean? It means the presence of Jesus in our lives is what gives us access to all things. And if we can fulfill what God asks us, we always have the surety. Look at the next verse, verse 23. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. In other words, in the Jewish religion, they had priest after priest 
Because one priest dies and you got to replace him. One priest dies, you got to replace him. There were priests after priests, but it says that Jesus continues. Verse 24. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. <laughs> an unchangeable priesthood. When I was in high school, I was in middle school. My last basketball game in middle school, I scored 36 points. I was like, and the high school coach was at my game. I was like, that's it. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so I went to high school and they changed the coaches. <laughs> they got a new coach. <laughs> and then I got injured and then that was, that was all they wrote anyway after that. But when the coach changed, the coach brought 10 kids from his previous school to my school. And there are three guys who ended up playing college basketball that couldn't make the team at my high school because the coach had changed. And when you get a different coach, you got different rules. Amen. You get a new priest, the rules change. But Jesus because he continues forever. The rules don't change, amen? What God did yesterday, he'll do today because the rules don't change. The rules don't change from one person to the next person. They don't change. Whatever Jesus said he was before is what he is today because he don't change. We've all been through that. You was in line for the promotion and the boss changed. Oh, man. But Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives. What? Not only does Jesus not change, Jesus praying for you. <laughs> not only does Jesus not change, Jesus is praying for you. He ever lives to make intercession. For who? For them that come to him. Amen. When I can't pray for myself, my Jesus is praying for me. Come on, when I don't know what to pray, my God is taking care of me. My God is praying on my behalf. That's different than me coming begging God for stuff, wondering if he's going to answer my prayers. See, that's not what the, see, that's, that's not knowing who's knocking at the door. I'm telling you who's knocking at the door. Jesus is knocking on the door and he's the one who's praying for you. <laughs> Come on, Jesus is praying for me. See, I've, we've, been, we've all been taught at some level or another that prayer means we come to beg God for whatever we're trying to beg God for. Yeah. But what does this say? It says, no, he's praying for you already. <laughs> when, he, when I know that Jesus is praying for me, it means that when I get into cr struggles and crisis, I know God's got an answer for me. Yeah. I'm not going into a crisis figuring out maybe God wants me to get out. I'm going into every crisis knowing this is ordained and I'm going to come out because God's already made a way. He's already made a way. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, I might be in a hole, 
but Jesus made a way already. That means I'm coming out. <laughs> Amen. It means I'm coming out. Easter means I'm coming out. <laughs> Easter is not just for eggs and all that stuff. Easter is the sign that I'm coming out. If I want to come out. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, I do want to come out. <laughs> come on, go to... Okay, our covenant with God. I don't have time to give it all to you, but I'm going to give you this. Our covenant with God has four specific elements. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm the church, I'm the church. because I have a covenant. <laughs> covenant means an agreement. It is an agreement. He became surety, which means there's an agreement. Two parties have to have an agreement before there's something that can become a surety. I had to go to the bank to get the mortgage, and we had to agree. My part is, you a bank, I believe you got money. (laughs) Their part is, let me see that credit report, and I'll see if you can pay me. (laughs) When we have agreement, then we make a bond. We make a covenant, a contract. And it says they're going to do this. And it says I'm going to do that. In my case, I'm making payments. In their case, they're providing a resource. Amen? Amen. All right. Four elements of covenant. The agreement that we have with God. This is what God provides. He provides, number one, righteousness. Now, if you don't understand righteousness, righteousness means this. Righteousness is the guarantee that I'm always, while I'm in Christ, in right standing with God. Now, you have to understand that because what that means is, is that when I do something and my wife doesn't like it, When I do something and my wife doesn't like it or other way around, God will still accept me. God will still accept me. If I fall short in trying to do whatever, God still accepts me. If I let someone in my life down, from their expectations for me, God still accepts me. But see, what happens in life is sometimes we let each other down and then we start feeling like maybe God's against us. Two people aren't getting along and all of a sudden, you know, one of them says, oh man, and and we, we, we start getting into condemnation. Condemnation starts to fall on us. But what this says is that righteousness is part of the covenant All I need to do is stay my part of the covenant. I need to make the payment. But the payment I make is not with money. The payment I make is staying in Christ. The only payment I need to make is to stay in him. When I stay in him, then what happens? Even though I'm not having what I want here, God is still keeping me righteous in right standing. And when I'm in right standing, I can hear God give me answers for how to deal with stuff. 
The second thing that your covenant with God guarantees is power. Power. Power comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is freely given to all who believe. Amen? The third thing that you receive is healing. I'm going to go Matthew 8 and 17. Matthew 8 and 17 really quickly. Jesus is speaking. He says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. He said this is already prophesied about Jesus by the book of Isaiah and is still true today. Amen? The last thing it gives us is freedom. Because I'm a child of promise, I have freedom. Freedom comes from this. Freedom comes from the inside, not the outside. See, if we get free inside, remember I told you I'm, I'm, I'm never bored? I'm never bored because I'm free from other people's senses. I'm free from what other people think is funny. I'm free from, I'm free from that on the inside. I'm free from that. So guess what? You can be free inside concerning all things because of Christ. Christ can make you free on the inside so that you're not living under turmoil, that you're not living under excessive pressure. One of the highest levels of, of one of the highest contributors to sickness in the United States is stress. You know why we're, why we're stressed? Because we're not free on the inside. Stress comes from over-processing information, usually when we don't have any way to deal with the information that we're processing. Stress. So stress is the opposite of freedom. The Bible says, he whom the Son sets free shall be made free indeed. Amen? Yes. Ephesians 4, and we're going to close with this. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verse 17 says this. This I say and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Don't walk with your mind processing fruitlessly. Don't let that be you. Don't do that. Don't don't let that be how you operate. Verse 18. Having their understanding darkened. In other words, there's a lot of things that happen in life that try to get your understanding to be darkened. That your outlook on life becomes a dark outlook. That you don't see hope. You don't see things that can be different in life. You start to see everything negative. You start to see everything through a lens of of failure, of things that aren't going to work or things that aren't going to happen or things we can't make do with or things that won't work or how I'm going to, what's my life going to be like in a few years? I don't have enough resources. I don't have this. I don't have that. Don't let the eyes be darkened. It's the futility of the mind. Don't let your mind be darkened, being alienated from the life of God. In other words, most things that we are worried about, we have not put before God. You got to lay your future before God. Listen, I know people who were all ready for their retirement. They were absolutely, totally, 100% ready. They were absolutely ready. 
They worked for companies that, that they were maximizing retirement systems and they was going to retire with 100% plus social security on the top. They was going to retire and get a raise, man. And without doing one thing wrong, the whole economy tanked and went under. And those same people who were totally prepared were all of a sudden no longer prepared. What does that mean? It means their eyes were on the wrong system. Come on. Eyes are on the wrong system. Why? Because if you're planning without God in your planning, if ultimately stuff is your source and not God being your source, everything can be eaten, rusted, or washed away. Amen? Amen. I know y'all hot in here. Give me one more minute. I know y'all hot. Because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart. The human heart gets blind to what we receive in Christ. This is what I want you to remember. Your salvation is your key to your prosperity. Your salvation is your key to your prosperity. And prosperity is not just about money. Your prosperity is the fullness of a life before God. It's the fullness of a life before God. It's a life that has God as your resource. It's a life that has God to heal what's broken with you. It's your life to help you exercise your abilities. To put you in position to be blessed among all things. Hallelujah. Listen. Real quickly, this is what we're going to do. Like everybody stand on your feet for a moment, please. What we're going to do is this, as they're going up, we're going to sing a song of praise. We're going to sing a song of praise. Praise God and thanks for listening with us today. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at alwc.us. On our site, you'll find more information about us, our church, and our events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is alwc.us. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash abundantlifeworship.net. On our page, you'll also be able to find our live stream of our Sunday services. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.